You're listening to DTTF 101.5, drawn to the flame, sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly, always Arkham. All your Gator needs supplied. I'm your host, Frank. This is a podcast for aficionados for Arkham Horror, the card game. And today I'm joined by... Uh, It's me, Peter. Hello. Hello, Peter. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Much better than than last week when we recorded the last podcast. <laughs> I thought you might say that. I'm slightly blushing after my appalling American accent as I tried to do a American intro. But... It's all right. It's all right. I don't think anyone's listening, so you're good. Oh, good. Cool. Phew. Um, this is another of our investigator-specific episodes, carrying on from episode five, which we talked about Zoe Samaras. And I think we're just going to jump straight in. In this episode, we're jumping on another investigator that we both really like, have played a bit with, were intrigued by, and we're going to talk about deck building strategies, what we like about them, what their investigator suggests that we should do. And the investigator for today is Rex Murphy, the reporter, who is conveniently reporter-traited. I love it when their subtitle and their their trait is just the same thing, you know. Rex Murphy, um, the reporter, reporter. Yeah, exactly. It's, in case you weren't sure, it's not, you know, trait, news hound, it's just reporter. Okay, fine. So he has very quick overview of the card. He has three willpower, four intellect, two combat, and three agility. I think in a previous episode I said he said he had one combat, and I'm sorry for everyone who was offended and wrote in incensed that I got it wrong. He has two combat. Oh, we lost so many listeners over that. I think so, yeah. I mean, we could have been flying, but instead we're us. He has a reaction trigger. After you succeed at a skill test by two or more while investigating, so an investigating skill test, discover one clue at your location. Elder sign effect, plus two. Very nice. You may instead choose to automatically fail this skill test to draw three cards. This time, nothing will stop me from getting at the truth. And he has six health and nine sanity. So what do you immediately think, Peter, when you see Rex's abilities? Well, he's he's finding clues, isn't he? That's, that's what he does. <laughs> His stats are a bit more rounded than, say, Zoe, who's obviously funneled down a, either a combat or a willpower test direction. He doesn't have the intellect of five, like Daisy does. So he, he starts at a little bit of a disadvantage, but he's, his skill tells us he's all about the clues. Interestingly, he has slightly that thing that we've seen rogue cards to have, which is requiring a success by a certain amount, but it's a, a success by a certain amount for a certain amount of tests, and it has a really amazing effect that discovering more clues is fantastic. The other thing, of course, is the that his Elder Sign effect says... It gives you this chance to fail, which is very strange, but failure to have three cards. And we've seen already that with cards like Cryptic Research, Seeker is the faction for card draw. This is a very interesting additional card draw effect. The question is, when are you going to fail? It ties in quite nicely with his weakness card. So this is Rex's curse. So Rex has an additional deck building restriction which is that he's forbidden from taking fortune cards and there's a good backstory reason for this which is rex murphy seemingly the originator of the phrase murphy's law is incredibly unlucky everything that can go wrong for rex will go wrong so his weakness is it represents this it's rex's curse so it has revelation put rex's curse into play in your threat area 
and then it has a forced. When you would succeed at a skill test, return the revealed chaos token to the bag and reveal a new chaos token. If this effect causes you to fail the test, shuffle Rex's curse into your deck. Limit once per test, not once per turn, as uh, I think we played it first first time. Yeah, no, once per test. If you're, once if per you've test. got a turn lined up where you're doing a bunch of investigating, or even when Rex is going to do a bit of fighting or evading, every time you try it, you're going to have to take the test twice if you pass the first time. The art of that is Rex with a, it looks like a, maybe a glass of whiskey or something like that, with the dead fly floating in it. Poor guy can't even catch a break to get a drink. Exactly. How this ties in with the Elder Sign, briefly, is that if you, if you draw a card and succeed, and then on your second pull, you draw the Elder Sign, you can then choose to fail and to shuffle Rex's curse away, and you still get the three cards. One of which could be Rex's curse. No, I think you draw the cards before you shuffle Rex's Curse back in. I did not know. Useful. Yeah. So Rex's Curse is an amazing card because it's basically an inverse Wendy Adams ability or an inverse Grotesque Statue. We know that Wendy Adams and Grotesque Statue are really powerful because you can give yourself a second shot at tests if you need to and you can do it at will. And this is just saying we're forcing you to take a second shot at tests even when you pass. Or when you pass, not even when you pass. And then while we're talking about his signature cards, his signature asset is a one-cost event with two intellect icons and a wild icon. So similar to Zoe, but it has a pair of the icons that are the specialism of the person and then one wild icon. And it's called Search for the Truth. It's insight traded. It's his deck only. Draw X cards where X is the number of clues on Rex Murphy to a maximum of five. This I've seen played for three or four cards. I don't think I've ever seen it played for, for five. But even pay one, draw three is great. Pay one, draw four is fantastic. Yeah, for sure. So take me through a Rex deck then. With all these Dunwich Investigators, I like to start with thinking about what my off-class cards are going to be because that gives me a little bit of a shape of the deck to come. I had quite a lot of fun playing solo and making a kind of rogue Rex deck with burglary and backstab and using hyper-awareness to get my agility to a reasonable place. So burglary encourages you to investigate for money rather than investigating for clues, but if you succeed by two or more while investigating, you get the money and you discover a clue at your location if you're Rex, which is fantastic. So he's doing two separate actions in one, which is great. And then because that's earning him money, he can then use that money on hyper-awareness to boost his intellect or boost his agility. The other thing to remember with the Seeker class is that you have the incredibly powerful ally, Dr. Milan Christopher, who gets you money for investigating. And you've got other cards that boost your intellect, like Magnifying Glass. So all of these cards point him towards a big money sort of situation, and he's using his, his resources to boost his attributes so that he's not failing tests that's one way of playing rex that's actually the way my rex deck is built up for tackling the dunwich legacy so i've got yeah like like you say i've my out of faction cards in rex are i've got two burglary two elusive and a dodge and then okay hy- yeah. yeah hyper awareness and then some movement cards to, to keep myself jumping around the around the map I know some people really like to put scavenging in Rex as well. Yeah, there seems to be 
a direct overlap there. Scavenging says if you succeed while investigating by two or more, you get to take an item from your discard pile and bring it back to hand. In my current Dunwich campaign that's Jenny and Rex, the Rex player is... He's playing a lots of card draw Rex, so he's playing laboratory assistants and normally playing search for the truth when he's at three or four clues to draw more cards and he's being fairly liberal with committing cards to the tests with a view to being able to pull them back to his hand if he needs to so that he can keep well if we pull items back to his hand so that he can keep having enough icons in hand to keep committing to tests i think it's a powerful deck approach if you can get all the pieces down in time I've also seen people talk about using the Disc of Examiner, which is one of the upgraded Seeker cards that allows you to discard the disc to discard an enemy, and you can keep pulling it back because it's an item and reusing it. But it costs three to play, so it's not easy. It's the famous Frisbee build, isn't it? You just <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Frisbee the disc out every few turns, and the monster chases after it, and then you pull the Frisbee back. And you're ready for the next monster. Yeah. I mean, so we've got two, two, two different things going on there. We've got that he loves investigating and can benefit from that. And we've also got the card draw option there. The other thing I really like to put in for Rex, and I think it's a really good fit, is Rabbit's Foot, which allows you to draw a card if you fail a test. Because we know with Rex more than any other investigator, there are going to come times when he's definitely going to fail tests with Rex's Curse. So it's quite nice to have the rabbit sit down. It's not normally competing for a slot unless you start playing the disc of examiner and it allows Rex to continue his card drawing, which is what he likes, and have a handful of fun tricks. Miskatonic Museum provided us with two new Seeker player cards that both, I think, are almost certainly auto-includes in a Seeker deck generally, but definitely in a Rex deck. So one of them... It, is a 1xp card and it's called Pathfinder and I believe you've been quite excited about Pathfinder. Oh, Pathfinder is brilliant. We, we, we tried it as soon as the pack came out. I played with I played with my friend Matt and we played Carnival and he had a couple of Pathfinders in Roland and it just was amazing. He could, he could move halfway around the map without taking an action. My two slight concerns about Pathfinder are that it gives you an action when you sometimes don't need an action, as in it doesn't give you an action when you're engaged, which can be annoying. Yeah. And also it costs three, which is surprisingly expensive for someone who isn't Rex, who, as we've established with cars like Burglary and Milan, can end up just rolling in money. Definitely. I was playing Rex yesterday, playing through Miskatonic Museum. I was sitting at 15 resources without any difficulty it just was there so putting down pathfinder was no problem for me and i used pathfinder in the museum very effectively i was moving around a lot i was basically yeah using it every single turn so you've so it's it's like leo it's it's a leo that costs half as much as leo and doesn't use up an ally slot and isn't unique either so you could have two pathfinders you could yes yeah you'd just be a very talented pathfinder and just be bouncing around the place you're exactly right that its drawback i think really balances the card well obviously you've had to pay an experience to get it in your deck as well but as soon as things get tricky and there are enemies its ability disappears and or forces you to evade enemies or get rid of enemies or have enemies engaged off you so that you can keep flitting around i think that's a nice drawback in the card that it's sort of this inbuilt delaying effect that kicks you in. So the other card, which I think is 
perhaps even nicer, I know that's controversial to say, perhaps even nicer for Rex is I've Got a Plan, which is a three-cost event. It's insight and tactic traded, and it reads, fight, this attack uses intellect, amazing, straight away, you deal plus one damage for this attack for each clue you have, maximum plus three damage. And the flavor text is magnificent. It says, that's the worst plan I've ever heard. Well, what are you waiting for? Which is great. So I know I've said I'm not much of a number cruncher, but this costs the same as backstab. It has the same replacement effect where you're using a different ability instead of your combat for a combat check. And unlike backstab, which gives plus two damage, so three damage total, this can do four damage, but you have to have the clues. So does it list two damage? You deal plus one damage for this attack for each clue you have. So if you have zero clues, you're paying three just to use your intellect yeah. to attack, which is pretty silly when you can pay one and have mind over matter and use your intellect to attack. Well, this is it. Mind over matter is often a card I, I cut early on from my Seeker decks. It's like a bit of an emergency button, but I think when I'm playing multiplayer, usually my emergency button is one of the other investigators to come and help me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do believe, though, you've had a bit of success with a solo Rex deck. Yeah, so I I was fiddling around with Rex, and I was fiddling around, as I said, with this idea that intellect and agility were going to be the two attributes that I focused on and really not anything else. And I was running two backstab in the deck. This was before I've Got a Plan came out. And because Rex has such good card draw, you can reliably make sure that you have backstab in your hand. And then when you come to face the Ghoul Priest or the Masked Hunter, as long as you've got hyper-awareness down and backstab and a huge pool of cash, because you're going to need to pay six to pay for the two backstabs, and then also boost your agility, you can semi-reliably kill big enemies. And of course, with I've Got a Plan, that fills that backstab slot and you can take the backstabs out and run something else. And because you have a higher intellect than agility anyway, that helps you again straight away. It makes that plan more reliable, more efficient. The challenge is making sure you have enough clues to do the damage that you want to do. Solo, where that gets really tricky is you're wanting to spend your clues to advance the act. And sometimes you have just spent them and then an enemy turns up. And so it can sit in your hand not being powerful at all. And finding that right time of holding on to clues or not can be a little bit tricky. It also, what it leads me down this route is going and getting more clues than I need to, which Rex can pretty reliably do. I, I don't want to talk too much about Miskisonic Museum, as, as according to our spoiler policy, we're not talking about the story there. But I did, I think we finished that scenario. I had more than nine clues on Rex still. Just fantastic. What I've got a plan points towards, which I really like, is this idea that your seeker in your party might be the one that's getting the most clues, but probably not the one that's spending them. They're sort of hoarding the information. And when you've got a, a group clue target you need to hit, everyone else who's got clues will spend their clues to manage that. And the seeker will keep the surplus because they want to do things like I've got a plan. Or if the seeker is Rex, they want to do search the truth and draw lots of cards for those clues. Yeah, certainly. We found that as well, actually. That's how yeah, search for the truth works as well. be interesting to see if, if other cards come out along those lines as well. I, I do wonder what... We've seen a couple of the permanent talents spoiled. So that's Keen Eye and Blood Pact, I believe. That's right, yeah. 
and I, I think there's a hint dropped that all of the, the factions will get one of those. So I do wonder what the, the Seeker version will be. Yeah, I was talking about this with a playing buddy uh, last week, I want to say. And we were trying to work out, will one of them be a discard a card effect? That could be Survivor. Will one of yeah. them be spend an action to get a boost? That could be Rogue. Or Rogue could just be spend money. But we've seen that the Guardian one is also spend money. And then the Seeker one, could it be place a clue on your location? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I did think it could be... Uh, discard a card as well because we've got so much card draw in in Seeker so that would be great but I guess we'll have to wait and see there. To bang the drum of just how great this game is that's one of the things that's really elegant about the design is that there is overlap in the factions and Survivor loves getting lots of cards and they have some card draw because both Survivor investigators that we know of like to use cards to do things but also Seeker clearly has lots of card draw and that seems to be connected slightly at least with rex with how many clues you have so there's a nice sort of overlap of abilities there that means there's room for all sorts of interesting effects so, so what is it in particular you particularly enjoy about rex can you point to a few things that make you excited to pick him up and put a deck together for him yeah interestingly he was probably my least favorite investigator when i looked at the new investigators from dunwich legacy i'm not quite sure why maybe that i just don't like the idea of being unlucky he's a sort of gloomy fellow and there was nothing in his stat line that was really singing to me i really like daisy so i thought like why would i play an investigator with an even lower intellect than daisy but i do really like the seeker cards and i partly because i had a playing buddy who was playing him i just wanted to give him a try and then I liked this idea of a roguish seeker. So that became something I was sort of playing with and thinking about. And I also like the idea that in this game, you can maybe win scenarios without fighting very much. And if you're drawing enough cards and getting enough clues, you can actually avoid combat fairly reliably, just with evading. I've seen that happen a lot in Survivor. I know I keep mentioning Survivor, but I wondered if there was a way of doing it in Seeker as well. And Rex seemed like the right person to do that. The other thing I love is that his Elder Sign gives you a choice. Yeah, and you I can't reliably well. draw the Elder Sign, but when you draw it, say you draw it when you're investigating and it's going to get you two clues, but you've got another action left. Rex loves investigating, so you may as well spend the next action investigating again, and you could, for this action, fail it, draw three cards. To play an investigator where you're going into tests being prepared to fail and having a sort of contingency plan built into it, I think it's really interesting as a way of playing it. When I play as someone like Roland, every test I take, I don't want to fail. You know, I'm set up to play past tests. But when you play as Rex, you don't care. I def- Yeah, I definitely like that, the, the, the Elder Sign effect. I think it's, it's really interesting. And I think I'm not a huge fan of the scavenging combo with burglary, except... For me, it's it's one too many moving piece I've got to get. But Seeker as a faction and Rex as well, because of his Elder Sign effect, they are able to draw a huge number of cards. So if you're going to build, at the moment, if you're going to build a deck which requires on a few key pieces, it, it, it's a great it's a great investigator to do that in. You know, you've got you've got cryptic research, you've got search for the truth, you've got the Elder Sign effect got laboratory assistant even yeah. laboratory assistant exactly and then you know you're bringing in 
as, as you say, you can bring in Rabbit's Foot as well. And you can just burn through that deck. And he's got, even if you reach the end of the deck, I mean, I, I realise this in the Encounter deck in the Dunwich Legacy, we've got Beyond the Veil, which which will do me ten, yeah. 10 damage if I draw right through my deck. So that's something to be aware of. But he's got 9 Sanity, so if he takes a horror from drawing through his deck and then starting again, that's not the end of the world either. I completely agree, and I've done it before quite comfortably, quite swiftly. He he doesn't mind it. You you get to this point where if you don't have the laboratory assistant out, you're discarding cards every turn, and it doesn't matter because you're you're throwing things into every test you take, and really actually filtering your hand because you've got enough cards that you can go, okay, I don't need that right now. I don't need this right now. I'll move on which is really good. What do you think about some of the cards that were a staple in, say, Daisy, like Old Book of Law or Encyclopedia? Do you think you'd pick those in Rex? Solo, I wouldn't pick them, but that's because Solo, I feel like a Rex Solo build, he's got enough to to do, and there are enough cards already competing for slots in that deck that he doesn't have space for them. If I was playing Rex multiplayer, I might consider playing more of a support role. So if there's a situation where I'm not collecting clues, I could be giving other players card draw or giving other players stat boosts. But also I think it's that when I've played solo, I've not been necessarily rolling in experience points and I've had enough things that I want to get, namely cryptic research, pathfinder, upgraded magnifying glass, that I've not gone for those cards but don't get me wrong i actually really love playing daisy and playing a tome heavy daisy i think that's really satisfying so i'm not i'm not down on them as cards i I like them old book of law is really one of the cards that stood out to me right from the start as as a good card and that's capital g capital c okay yeah i agree but i've just in, in my Dunwich Legacy Rex deck, I've just swapped swapped the second one out. So I've got no old book of law in at all now. I've just got my only hand items are two magnifying glasses. Yeah, I often find that I'm that way too. The the other thing that he might want to take in a deck is knife, or also he can take fire axe. And given that he's getting so much money normally, either through Burgley or through Dr. Milan. Fireaxe has a place in Rex, not for the extra damage, but just so that he can reliably pass combat checks. Yeah, certainly. I've set my Rex up to avoid combat altogether. I've got hyper awareness. Hopefully, will boost his agility up high enough that he doesn't. He doesn't. He can evade reliably. And then I've got elusive and shortcut to either move away from enemies or move them to someone who can who can take them on for me. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're playing solo, sometimes you don't have that luxury. And sometimes just evading enemies isn't enough. You know, the ghoul priest, for instance. The other thing we're thinking about when building Rex, and this is something that I was slightly daunted by, but it's actually useful to think about, is that restriction about no fortune cards. Because at the moment, all of the fortune cards are either survivor or rogue. And the ones that we probably most quickly think of are... Well, there's only four that he can't run because the other ones are high XP that he wouldn't be allowed to run anyway. So it's Look What I Found, which allows you to get more clues if you fail tests, which I can imagine might be strong in Rex, but he's so efficient at getting clues anyway that I'm not sure I would run it even if I could. Then there's Oops, which is the new 
survivor event which allows you to push damage when you've missed attacking one enemy onto another. Again, if you're in a situation where Rex wanted to use oops, probably something's gone very wrong. And then the last two, which I think maybe there'd be more of a case for him wanting a lucky and double or nothing. Lucky is just generally useful. And, you know, it's always good to be able to pass a test when you would otherwise fail it. It's also good to be able to go into a test committing fewer cards or paying, you know, fewer resources on a, a talent to boost you because you know you've got this option that if you're within two of the target, you can bounce through. I don't normally run lucky if I if it's not if I'm not playing a red deck or a, or an investigator that can easily run lucky. So I've really not I've not felt the lack of fortune cards. It might be that later there come up some really great fortune cards, and I wish that Rex could run them. But at the moment, I've not minded. And then finally, there's double or nothing. I, I think I think the the main thing about double or nothing in Rex Rex can typically get quite a way over the target so, so meeting the double difficulty isn't too much of an issue for him i think my feeling is that it would typically be overkill of rex anyway it doesn't it doesn't combo with his uh his ability on his card so if you use double or nothing rex's ability can't trigger twice but say if you've already put a deduction into a test or something like that you know you can get just a phenomenal number of clues in one action and yeah. of course if if you really feel the need to, to pursue that, one of the other investigators can take double or nothing and commit it to Rex's test. Yeah, exactly. It's not that there's this amazing, very apparent combo crying out, if only you could have double or nothing. There's ways of getting it to work. Really interesting you mentioned deduction there, because that was going to be my next question. Early on in the life of this game, when I was building decks for Roland, there was this question of working a hunch versus deduction and which one he wanted. And came down fairly strongly on the side of working a hunch. And I've actually realised the more I play solo, that deduction often is a dead card because so many locations only have one clue per investigator. So committing deduction doesn't get you any extra benefit apart from a single intellect icon. With Rex, playing Rex solo, he's often succeeding by two or more while investigating when there aren't extra clues to get. There are very few locations that have three clues on them that he could clear up in one action. What do you think about that? Well, I, I, I'm in a the completely opposite situation where I, my main Dunwich campaign is being played with, with two other people. Um, and that's uh, Zoe and Jim. Sorry, that, that's the investigators. It's, it's Ronan and Matt, are the people playing them. <laughs> I don't happen to have two friends with the same name as, as the respective investigators. And it's weird because the Zoe player is playing Jim and the Jim player is playing Zoe. <laughs> so, so often locations will have a multiple of three clues on there. So if it's six, that's three tests, which is one turn for Rex. So you could, you know, you could shortcut or you can, uh, you can Pathfinder into the location, pass three tests by two, which is often not too much of a challenge with Rex. And then you've cleared out a location in one turn which is which is amazing efficiency and so deduction speeds that up even more if you if you deduct if, if it's if it's a location that has say three clues on it so one per investigator uh with deduction that's one test that's that's very powerful yeah otherwise you're, you're maybe looking at say a test then a burglary which which isn't which isn't the end of the world anyway but because with burglary you still get one clue from rex's ability and then you get 
two if you succeed by two. I mean, I'm assuming you're passing by two all the time, which isn't given, but hopefully you've built your with deck With Dr. Towards... Milan out. Yeah, with a magnifying mag- glass, mag- mag- glass or two, yeah. So I've still got deduction in because, you know, most of the time it gets me an extra clue. And of course, you can commit it to another player's test as well if if you need, you know, if, if they need to get the extra clue on their turn. Definitely. So I have deduction, but I also have working a hunch. Yeah, and in single player, you go into a location that only has one clue, say you've path, path found your way in, you might just want to drop working a hunch, particularly if it's a slightly higher shroud or there's some other reason why you wouldn't want to investigate that and move on straight away. And so when you're playing one player, there are these single clue locations where that's more useful than another test. If the curse is out, Rex's curse, and for whatever reason you need to keep moving, you don't want to spend an investigate test that you're going to have to pass twice, working a hunch becomes really useful. And the other thing, is, of course, is that working a hunch is fast. So if you've got an enemy at, lo- at your location, you can get a clue there without having to trigger an attack of opportunity. If you already have one clue on you, and you do that, that sets up a really nice, I've got a plan, that you've suddenly got two clues on you, and you're doing three damage with a single attack. Oh, that's lovely, yeah. I really like that, yeah. So working a hunch becomes this really useful way of just sort of bumping up your your clue-related attacks or clue-related card draw as well. Cool. So I think that's most of my main thoughts about Rex. I did toy with the idea, this is just a closing thought that I'm sure someone else can do better than I, I did toy with the idea of Wizard Rex, who would somehow get a higher willpower and would focus on willpower and intellect versus things and maybe run shriveling or blinding light. But because his agility is three and his willpower is three, and because hyper-awareness is in faction, it led, led me back down the route of maybe I should just think about agility. If you have played Guardian Rex with all your Splash being Guardian cards, please let us know because I'm fascinated what you've done there. Yeah, it, it, it feels like a bit uh, forcing a square peg into a round hole, that. But if someone's done it, I'd be really... And, and had success, I'd, I'd love to see their deck list. Maybe there's a space for teamwork in Rex. If he's picking up piles and piles of cash through Dr. Milan, that he could somehow pass that on to other investigators. I don't know. Anyway, that's enough for today, I think. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find Peter on Discord, FFG, Twitter, Reddit, all as Unitled. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at FB, which is E-P-H underscore B-E-E. I'm very chatty on there. Come and say hello. You can also email the podcast on drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. And, and we're on, you can find face- us on Facebook. <laughs> I was I was Peter just will tell you about that. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're we're on Facebook as Drawn to the Flame and then uh, Twitter as well as I think Drawn to the Flame podcast. Uh, it's either Drawn to the Flame or Drawn to the Flame podcast. It's obvious who we are. Yeah, you can find us there as well. Come and say hello, tweet to us, say hi on Facebook and we will reply. Thanks for listening. Thank you.
this pause while I'm trying to think of the names of cards. Yeah, of course. First aid. Um, what's it, what? Yeah, first aid. That was not very efficient. Else. Anyway. Oh, come on, what was it? 